Well, hey, turn in your Bibles. We are in a Rooted uh, series called Rooted. Everybody say Rooted. Rooted. And so we've been talking. uh, This is actually an expository uh, sermon. I only do about three expository sermons a year where we literally read every text in that chapter or in that given uh, book. I'm more of a topical uh, guy. But I love this. The book of Colossians has always been one of my favorites. And we got to almost the end of chapter 3. Uh, last week. So we're going to pick up there in a little bit. So if you want to put one marker uh, there, but you can also put the other marker, let's see, I think in Ephesians, yeah, Ephesians 1. All right, but let's go ahead and pray for the word. I want, I'm just feeling like God is going to maybe say some things off script today. I'm excited about what I've prepared, but I just want to be open. Can we do that? Holy Spirit, in fact, let's all pray this. Let's all just repeat after me. Holy Spirit, Speak to me today. Let it just not be another Sunday because I am in your house with my brothers and sisters. Father, you are our Father and you sent your Spirit to speak to my heart. Speak to me today. I'm open. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So let's recap. When I do a series, I always like to recap where we've uh, been so far in the word. Um, I just, listen, real quick, I just got to say hi to Bob. Bob, can you just stand up? This man right here has been battling cancer and surviving and winning. I want everybody to reach your hands. Come on, put your hands together towards Bob. Oh, man. You just bring a joy to my heart. This man's record collection, by the way, whoo, fills this whole room. Come on. All right. When you are rooted in God, this is what we've said so far, and the trials of life come, your faith will not be shaken. Your joy will not be stolen. You will be strong and bear fruit. And this is what the Psalm says. This is what, this is what the word said that we read. You will bear fruit in every season. Come on, Donna got it. Let me see if anybody else got it. I said, you will bear fruit in every season. I was talking to a guy from the district the other day, and he said, well, how's that church plant coming? I said, oh, we launched January 2nd. He goes, January 2nd? He goes, man, that came up quick. How'd you guys plant a church in the middle of a pandemic? I said, the pandemic don't stop God, brother. Come on, what are you talking about? Anyway, don't make me preach on that. All right. So let's review. We've said when you're rooted In grace, we see people the way God sees us. So we start to love them and treat them as God does, for we realize that we too were given grace and mercy. All right, we're given a quick two-minute recap of the last three weeks. We're rooted in grace. We believe the best of people. Hear me now. We don't assume the worst. This is of coworkers. This is of people in your church. This is of family at Thanksgiving. Oh, man, I'm already, some of you feeling convicted. All right? Why didn't he pass me the gravy? I told you she hates me. I know how your mind works. I know. I know. Lord's going to help you today. Here we go. The Samaritan woman and the religious leader Nicodemus need the grace of Jesus. The reprobate and the religious need God's grace. The prodigal and the older brother, we said, needs God's grace. Secondly, we said that God wants to root us in his promises. 
Because I'm telling you, when life hits you hard, what you will go back to, what you need to go back to is the promises that God spoke to your heart. When you were in prayer, when then you came to the altar and you let someone on the prayer team pray for you and it confirmed to you what God's promised you in your heart, your roots are getting deeper and stronger. We're given the same promise. Listen, we got to connect this to the Old Testament that was given to Abraham. How many were here last week? We talked about the milk and the honey. Anybody? All right. Jesus makes it possible. Make this real easy. Ready? Jesus makes it possible for us as non-Jewish Gentiles to be given the same promise and blessing and God's protection. We're promised a life flowing with milk and honey. Supernatural blessing from God. Supernatural. I don't know about you guys, but God, I believe God is who he says he is. Right? Supernatural. Everybody say these two words. Say super natural. Turn to your neighbor, raise your eyebrows and say, he said super. Come on now. Super natural. Everybody stand up. You guys are, you guys are lethargic today. Everybody stand up. Man, it takes effort for you to say the word super. Come on now. Turn your neighbor. I want you to get, I want you to let go of every previous religious tradition you had. I want you to go full Pentecostal. I want you to give them an R. Dean Baumgartner Pentecostal point. <laughs> Anybody ever got the, the Pentecostal point? Where you at, R. Dean? All right. Dude, she'll bring. Oh, uh, here we go. I want you to give them a Pentecostal point and say, supernatural. Don't poke in their eye out. Don't poke their eye out. All right, now sit down. Now you're getting it. Got the blood flowing. Here we go. Because here's the thing. When difficult times come, God wants to know if he can expose the dirt. If he can let the roots go deeper. When the difficult times come, God wants to know if you're going to actually be in genuine relationship. If you're going to be, like I say often here, committed to community. Or if somebody asks you a question that the Holy Spirit convicts you on, you don't say, well, then fine, I'm going to go get another church. No. God wants to expose the dirt so the roots can go deep, so that you're strong. We're strong, right? That's what God wants. So how do we do this? When we read the word daily, we let him transform our minds. We're becoming rooted in the grace of God, the goodness of God. In fact, I'm going to have the worship team at the end play that song again. We're just going to use a sound booth, but we're going to go back to goodness of God if you don't mind. We're going to become rooted in God's grace, rooted in God's promise. Today, we're talking about rooted in gratitude. So we've been reading Colossians, and when we read through Colossians, this is what chapter 1 talks about. Chapter 1 talks about the supremacy of Christ. And in today's world, when every truth is my truth, come on, when every truth is relative to how I feel today, what is the political narrative of today, uh, what does uh, my mom and dad, what did they teach me? So that's my truth. We live in a society that really questions the objectivity of truth. But I want to tell you what Colossians 1 taught us was that Jesus reveals the perfect image of the invisible God and that he is truth. He is supreme above all. Everybody just hold your hand up as high as you can. Even if you're short, if you're height challenged like myself, come on. He is supreme above all things. Did you get it? Say, I got it. 
The end of Colossians 1 talks about Jesus becoming everything that your soul craves. It's the unchanging thing in life. That is what you need. Chapter 2 and 3, we learn that rules and regulations do not need to be added to the gift of grace. Rules and regulations do not need to be added to the gospel of grace. That's what we learned last week, right? There's a lot of teaching last week. That there's no customs of culture, there's no laws of man that can transform you into a good person. There is only one thing that can do this, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. That is the person. That's why you can change all the laws you want. I'm all for good laws, but you can change all the laws in the world. It doesn't change the heart. What changes the heart, therefore what changes a town, what changes a state, what changes a nation is Jesus Christ transforming someone from the inside out. Now they don't want to obey the law. Now they don't want to steal. Now they don't want to abuse. They want to serve. They want to love. Are you getting it? Here we go. Let's go to chapter End of chapter 3. This is where we left off last week. Chapter 3, verse 15. If you got your Bibles, or you can just look at the screen, or the Bible app on your phone. Here we go. Chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ, and we're going to talk about that, because you need to participate in your peace. We'll, we'll come back to that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, i got to be honest with you. This is really cool, because... When I put up this sermon series in my little planner of talking about being rooted in the life of spiritual formation, I didn't know that this passage was going to land on Thanksgiving. But how many of you guys realize God knows what he's doing, right? All right, check this out. Be thankful. Everybody say thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. Everybody say thankfulness. In your hearts towards God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Everybody say thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Sometimes I quote that to my 38 children. I just say, children, obey your parents. The Lord hath said. All right. Um, anybody ever go full Medea on them? The Lord, I was, I'm going to hurt you. No, I don't do that. Okay. I've never done that. Neither has Stephanie Medorma. All right. Number verse 22. Bond servants. Obey in everything those who are becoming discouraged. Oh, I lost my spot. Hold on. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. You guys want to hear a true story? When you're a pastor's kid, you start to know the Bible too much. And I'm not going to lie. There was a few times my dad asked me to do stuff, and I said, Father, do not provoke your children to anger. He's like, I'll provoke, you know. <laughs> he believed in the rod of discipline. Okay. <laughs> I Seriously, if I said don't exasperate your son, he'd hated that. All right. Hated that. <laughs> Whatever you do, work heartedly for the Lord and not for men. Do you hear that? Work heartedly as, for the, as if your job is for God. We'll come back to that. Wow. Whatever you do, work heartedly. Sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. 
Sometimes it's so good, like we've seen the last few weeks, just to read scripture. There's so much power in just reading the word. This is why you got to get in the word every day to let those roots go deep. So let's look at this first section. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Be thankful. Choosing to be grateful is choosing peace. You need to participate in your peace. Choosing to be grateful is choosing to have peace in your mind and a peace in your life. And we live in a society that is constantly trying to steal your peace. Come on. And today on Stand Sunday, we're taking a a stand for orphans around the world, namely right here in our county. And I believe that what we can be most grateful for is that Father God has adopted us. And from this place of gratitude, oh man, all kinds of things come out. All kinds of things are produced. We're going to talk about that. So let's look at verse uh, 18 through 25. What did he teach us? He talked about uh, slaves obeying your your, your master, and I'm thankful there's not slavery today in America, but I, I will say it's interesting that Jesus, um, that the word is giving this indication that it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you can always honor people. Isn't that interesting? Think about that. That's what he's saying. In every situation you're in. I mean, he was challenging someone who was a bondservant. That's a, that's a challenge. He's saying you can honor your master. Now, of course, the master is then given the similar instruction in chapter four. We'll go there in, in just a minute. But look how we can treat one another. Now, it's interesting. Pastor Dave is actually going on First Peter, and he's preaching expository this month, too. And he talked about this idea of submitting one to another, husbands submitting and wives submitting to your husbands. And, you know, he gave one example, and I want to I give that example, but give you three ways, three ways Uh, to honor your spouse and to submit to one another like the scripture is saying. All right, schedules. Everybody hold up your your hand with me because this is going to help you. Here we go. Number one, say schedule. Number two, spending. Number three, helping, household help. All right? Now, nobody nudge your spouse. My goodness, it's always funny when I preach on marriage. You you should see the number. All right. Or don't do what my wife does. Grab the kneecap. I'm in trouble. All right, here we go. (laughs) Schedule. By saying, let me check with my wife, that is not, now sometimes, let's be honest, we say, let me check with the boss, right? But what we're saying is, we're not saying she rules over me. You're saying I honor her and I honor my commitment that I made to her when we got married. See, when I committed to her in marriage, I said, you are first. You're going to be first. So I don't put something in my schedule unless I'm checking with her first. Now, there's exceptions. Obviously, you can make an agreement. We say, hey, once, once a week or once a month, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this discipleship or I'm going to go get wings with these guys once a month, whatever it is. But communicate it and get on the same page. But saying, let me check with my spouse is a great idea. And everybody said amen? All right. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Number two, spending. By... Not spending money you both didn't agree on, you're choosing to take a humble route. You're choosing to say that your work at your job and your money, I honor that. And this is our marriage, this is our finances together, and my choices affect you, so I'm going to consult. We're going to make sure we agree. Me and my wife have this uh, agreement we've had for 17 years of marriage. We don't make a big purchase, we don't make an investment without us being on the same page. 
And guess what? There have been times when I wanted to, and she was like, I don't feel good about it. And guess what I'm saying? God gave me that wife. Right? Right? God gave me that wife to give me wisdom, and so she helps me with that. Number three, look, just helping out. Oh, somebody got an amen on that. Come on, Adam. He said, amen. He said, amen. All right. So, it's really funny. Sorry. He's, yes. Helping out around the house. All right? Not hard. Not complicated. Here we go. Let's go to chapter four. Chapter four. Masters, treat your bod servants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. That you're going to stand before one day before Jesus the master. So maybe if you're an employer, maybe you're the boss or you're the manager, listen, take scripture to heart here, knowing that you're going to stand before Jesus one day. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. There's that word again. At the same time, pray that God may open the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. So remember, he's writing this from prison. We said that last week. That I may make it clear how I ought to speak. Now, I love this next line. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Man, I wish us as Christians would be better at this. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Do you know how many agnostics and atheists are turned away because Christians' speech is not seasoned with salt? We'll come back to that. All right, so Titius will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know who, how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is also called Justice, they're all, these are also men of the circumcision among my fellow workers of the kingdom of God. They have been a comfort to me. Now remember, when he says of the circumcision, we talked about this last week, the circumcision of the heart. He had just given this metaphor that Jesus makes us how he wants us to be, that we don't have, there's not 600 rules that you have to follow. Uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf, that you may stand mature, that sounds like being rooted as a tree, right? Stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. I bear witness that he has worked hard for you and those in Laodicea and Herpolis. I'm not sure how to say that. Herpolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter had been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. See to it that you read the letter and say to Archippus, I think, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this reading with my own hand. Listen to this. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So let's look at verse five. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of your time. Guys, when I was reading this, that's the line that convicted me. That's the line that convicted me. Because I feel like in the last like six months, I've gotten out of, out of this habit where for years, I, we had this good habit of just engaging with our neighbors, having neighbors over more. And I want to get, get back to that. Being wise, being wise towards outsiders. What does he mean by outsiders? He just means people who have not believed in Jesus yet. Everybody say yet. Yes. Come on, they feel or they may see themselves 
as an outsider, as somebody who doesn't understand you or what you believe or why. But I have a question for you. Do, does people at your work even know you're a Christian? Jordan Rayner wrote a great book called Redeeming Your Time. He's written a lot of great books. Um, and he talks about this, how convicted he was that he had released this, this book. He's this Christian and this author. And a friend that he had worked with for four or five years goes, oh, I didn't even know you were Christian. <laughs> He's like, oh. Are you redeeming your time around the water cooler after the marketing meeting? Are you redeeming your time? After all the stocks, you know, after all the shelves are stocked and you're on break and you see your coworkers stressed, have you ever said, hey, I'm an open ear. We can talk about it and I'd love to pray for you if you want. That's a moment. That's a moment when you're bringing God into the conversation and you're letting them know that you're a safe place they can come to. Amen? Redeeming your time. I don't know about you, but that convicts me. So then he goes on to talk about this idea of being saved by grace through faith. It's the same argument he makes in Romans 4 and 5 and Galatians 3. And this accurate understanding of the gospel, guys, this grace produces a gratitude in us. Everybody say gratitude. You see, gratitude says, I'm thankful for my job for I know it's a sign of God's grace. And then what's the fruit? So you work hard. You see this? This is, I know it's, it's simple, but it's a, something Christians, we need to get. I'm thankful for my spouse, for I know he or she is a sign of God's grace towards me. Therefore, I cherish them and I honor them and I serve them. Do you see how gratitude is a root that is bearing fruit? I'm thankful for the home I have. Therefore, I make it a place of refuge for people. Come on, it's not just, your home is not just for you. I'm glad that you're home. When you get home, you just, how many of you guys have that favorite seat? Come on, that favorite seat. I got this favorite seat and it's awesome and my wife's making me give it away. I'm pretty sad about that, but you know what? It's okay. I'm submitted to her as the scripture just said. We submit to one another. Dennis, are you getting this? I lay down my life for her, so I'm just gonna give up that chair in the name of Jesus. It's very hard, but I will do what it takes. I have this great leather chair that reclines. I love it. Anybody have one of those chairs? You just go to sleep. You, just, you know what I'm saying? That chair is awesome. I love that you love your living room. I love that you love your favorite chair. But maybe one of your neighbors needs to feel that awesome chair. I know some of you guys are like, no, nobody's touching my chair. I know. I know how you guys get. You get like Gollum. You're like, my precious chair. No, you need, listen, you need to lay off. You need to realize your, your house is not yours. It's actually God's. You're just stewarding it, right? So you need to say, in my home, if my home, I'm so grateful for my home, God, who can I share this blessing with? Amen? All right, so now, this is going to be really cool. I'm writing these thoughts down, kind of these comments on these scriptures, and my mind goes to the mustard seed. All right, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, because I think this is really going to speak to some of your hearts. Here we go. Matthew 13, Jesus had just been speaking a lot of parables. He was giving metaphor after metaphor, word picture after word picture. He's helping them understand. 
And this is what he says. This is the shortest parable of all time. This is like, it's two verses. But there's, it's so rich. Look at this. Matthew 13, verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and he sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the other garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, how many of you guys have heard this, this metaphor or this parable before, this passage? Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard it preached. Jesus is making this amazing point here that I never caught until this week. Because I thought, you know, I'm going to search mustard seed. Like, how big does a mustard tree get? And when I started reading it, it doesn't even become a tree. It becomes a bush about six feet tall. All right? I don't know why I'm doing this because I'm like, well, I'm six feet, you know, since I'm 6'3". <laughs> so this little bush becomes about this tall. Um, he's making a point. You can almost see Jesus' eyebrows go up. This little mustard seed becomes a tree where birds can come and rest in its branches. So I was reading about this. It usually just becomes this five to six foot bush, but on some occasions it will become nine or ten foot and can, can sometimes, occasionally, not often, but look like a tree. What was Jesus saying? It would be like if I held up a tiny piece of wood and I said, this tiny piece of wood has the potential to be a part of a beautiful boat. We would all get the message. We would all say, oh man, that's powerful. Jesus, that is beautiful. But that's not what Jesus said. It's more like this. This tiny piece of wood is gonna be a part of a 70-foot yacht. You'd be like, it takes you a second. It takes you a second for your mind to, to wrap around what Jesus is trying to say. And that's what they were saying. A tree where birds can come and rest in its branches you mean my life can give refuge to other people? Yes, what I'm trying to tell you, what Jesus rather is trying to tell you is this. God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. He's speaking to a people just like he's speaking to us that sometimes we feel like, no, I'm always going to have the same problems. No, I've had the same issues with my family forever. I've had the same issues with my job forever. And Jesus is trying to say, hey, snap out of it. Jesus is trying to say God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. That little mustard seed can become not only a bush, which is already amazing, but it can become supernatural. It, be, it can become like a tree where birds come and rest in its branches, where you provide something to others. Come on, that sounds like the last two weeks, right? Milk and honey for others. You can be so rooted in God that what you think, and see, here's the thing. I hope you get this. Because some of you think, well, Pastor Jordan, you don't understand. My faith is really small. Like I'm barely hanging on right now. That's what Jesus is saying. Your faith, it's that small. And some of you might be hearing me say, Pastor Jordan, I, I've considered giving up on faith in the last month. Jesus said that. Do you got this much? That's all I need. Come on. Jesus is like, you got this much? God is saying, I know you're mad at me because this didn't work out and you're blaming me because this didn't work out. But if you'll just trust me, if you'll just have a little bit of faith, I can do so much with your life. I can do so much with your life. Amen? 
I was reading this book. I think it was called Everyday Miracles. Can I tell you a cool story real quick? I was reading this book about a month ago. This guy who was blind, he was invited to go help a minister, and he was on the prayer team, and he had signed up to be uh, one of the prayer team members. Well, he's in this other country, and he's next to this stadium, uh, the, the stage at the stadium. It was a big old um, outreach, not conference, but I can't think of the word, but when they do the big outreach, uh, like a festival. Well, he prays for this girl, this seven-year-old girl, and, and she receives healing. She starts crying, and she says, I'm healed, and people had just prophesied to him about his gift of, gift of healing. And so she says, oh, will you pray for my sister? She takes her, she takes him to her blind sister. He's blind. And he says, Lord, I can't do this. I can't pray for somebody else to be healed when I'm struggling with why you're not healing me. How many of you guys would say, come on. And Jesus is like, will you just trust me? And she was fully healed of her blindness right there. Right there, totally healed. And he writes, he writes in the book, I don't know why. I'm not, I'm not healed yet. He said, but I don't care. I, all I know is God's love is flowing through me like I've never experienced before. I want to say again, God can do more with your life than you ever imagine if you'll let him. If you'll let him. I will say it again. If you'll let him. Is that what he said? Say it again. I'm going to take it. That's what he said. All right. Ephesians 3.14 three, Look at this. When I think of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited riches that he will empower you with inner strength. Because this is what we're talking about, a life of spiritual formation, of inner strength. I know some of you young men, you say, well, you know, I'm going to go to the gym because I got to be buff for the ladies. You want to look like this. I know. You ever seen a golf ball and a toothpick? Okay. Come on, you say, I, you say I, I have to work out at the gym. I got to make myself great. Some of you say, listen, what Paul's talking about, you can't get by reading a book, by going to the library, or by going to the gym. This is an inner thing. When God changes your heart, everybody put your hand on your chest. When God changes your heart, and you can try to do all the self-improvement you want. And hey, I'm all for working out. I'm all for reading books. I love to read. But listen, what God wants to do in you is in here. To make you believe, to cause you to believe in his goodness. To cause you to believe in a life of miracles. To cause you to believe that your life can provide shade and refuge for people. That's why Jesus says your life is like this mustard. It can become like a tree where people can find shade, where, where birds can come and make a nest. What is a nest? It's a home. It's a refuge. And God wants your life to cause refuge for people. Amen? To bring refuge for them. Now, I was thinking about, as I was closing this sermon, I was thinking, what is it that would be the opposite? What is it that would be the opposite of... Um, gratitude. I was thinking about, I, I was thinking about uh, envy. I want to think about it. And when I thought about envy, I thought about Proverbs 24, which I had just read it a couple days before. And then uh, Danielle was sitting at the table with me this morning as I was rereading and having coffee. And, and she, she read from Proverbs 14. She goes, look at this. Envy, and she didn't even know this. Is, she goes, envy it says, 
will rot you to the bones. I said, oh, Danielle, this is so good for my message. Come up and preach with me. She declined. <laughs> no, I didn't ask her because I knew she'd be like, no. <laughs> Planning center, reject, not accept. <laughs> you know, anyway, it's on a serve team. That was funny to you. Everybody else, I apologize. All right. Um, envy. And you know what I thought? When it crossed my mind? Ivy. So I looked up Ivy. Ivy is fine attached to the base. Hear me. When ivy becomes a problem is when it reaches its way to the crown and kills the tree, stopping all the sunlight. I actually have a tree, uh, a rental property that has been totally killed because it looked like that. It totally died. Ivy took over it. Now, ivy, when I was reading this about ivy, it turns out it creates this little glue-like substance in the bark, and it attaches. How many of you guys have ever ripped ivy off a tree? It's like stuck to it, right? I'm going to tell you something. Envy, like ivy, you might think is pretty for a while. Until it takes you over and reaches the crown and distorts all your thinking. I've seen it. Somebody who's been taken over with envy will start to think through the lens of envy and everything is twisted and distorted. I hope you're hearing me. Envy is the opposite of gratitude. Envy wants to kill the very thing God's doing in your life. Let me say it one more time. Envy, you're, you're the root system. God wants his root to go into, your, into God's love, it says, that you may be fully rooted into God's love, that you may stand firm and become fully mature in Christ, Paul said. What is it that's going to kill that tree? Envy. Well, I just want what they have. Well, if I could just have, do you know four, I know I've said this before, but I, I got to say it again. Four of the Ten Commandments, four of the Ten Commandments have to do with wanting something God hasn't given you. Four. Don't steal. Don't want your neighbor's wife. You don't need those gods. Let me be God. Like four out of ten. How many of you guys realize that you got to let God cut off that ivy when it starts to grow? Because when Satan says, well, if you only had what he had, if you only had what she had, right? But instead you say, no, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let roots of gratitude. Come on, roots of gratitude. I'm going to bear fruit in every season. I'm going to let my life produce, like the word says, character, hope, and perseverance. I'm going to become um, a place of refuge for other people. And this all happens by coming to God and saying, and just believing him, believing, having faith in the grace that he gives you, having faith in the idea that he can make you into the person you want to be. That's why I tell a lot of young men, in fact, something really blessed me. Can I just tell you how proud I am as your pastor of something that happened two weeks ago? This young man who's from Cleveland, he had visited that day, and God had really wrecked his life. He was sitting right over here. 
and God had just really touched him. And I was talking to him, and I said, well, listen, if you ever want to talk, this is my number. You know, let's set up some times to get together. And he said, well, actually, two other guys from your church told me that too, and they gave me their number, and they're going to talk with me over FaceTime or in person. I was like, Lord Jesus, it's happening. Somebody high-five your friend. Just high-five somebody. Okay. What that told me is what my heart is for this church is, again, that you would say, hey, I'll disciple someone. I will help someone grow in their faith. I can read the Bible with someone. I can go through a book with someone. And two men came to that young man and said, hey, I, I see what God did in your life. Here's my number if you want to talk faith and what God's doing. I'm, I'm available to you. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Those are two men who have become rooted now. Those are two men who say, I'm not okay with just surface, surface conversation, surface level Christianity. Those are two men who said, my roots of gratitude are so deep. I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. Now I want to be a blessing to others. Now hear me. They won't even think of that if ivy has covered the mind. Are you getting this? It won't even cross your mind of how can I bless someone if ivy is all over your tree. If you're just thinking, well, no, I don't have what they have. I don't have what that person has and God hasn't answered all my prayers. God has answered a lot of your prayers, just not in the way you wanted them answered. Right? Don't let that ivy of envy go to the crown and confuse your mind and cause you to misperceive people. A lot of times your coworker, your boss, a lot of times they just need you to love them, pray for them, and befriend them. Amen? Become that tree. Let that mustard seed of faith grow up. Let the roots go deep. Amen? Let God plant you. I want to ask the worship team to come back up because we're going to close this with a song of worship. We're, we're going to sing about the goodness of God. We got to let our roots go deeper and deeper and deeper. We got to let our roots go deeper and deeper and deeper. And before we sing this, I want to put up um, just a little footage of what happens when all the trees allow the roots to go deep. Now it becomes this beautiful, if you could check out the screen, it becomes this beautiful tapestry displaying God's glory. Amen? It becomes this beautiful tapestry displaying God's glory. You see, when your roots, like we said last week, are connected to the other roots and they're all intertwined and you, your strength now becomes their strength and my strength becomes your strength, you become really something beautiful to the world. Amen? The Bible says that creation itself, it, 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 it shows the goodness of God, the glory of God. And our lives, Paul says, can be rooted in God's love. Let's stand up to our feet. And right now, I want you to think about all that God's done in your life. I want you to think about the goodness of God. I want you to think about what Jesus has forgiven you of. In fact, just close your eyes and I just want you to think. What kind of person might you be? What would your marriage look like if God didn't teach you to humbly serve? 
What would your life look like if you had rejected grace, if you had walked away? Now, from that place of gratitude and thankfulness that the Father has adopted you, that Jesus has become your older brother who has died in your place. So God, we want to tell you we love you. We want to say thank you for planting us along streams of living water like your word says in the Psalms. We want to say thank you that there is a river that flows from Emmanuel's veins like Revelation says. God, that you have planted us right there and you are making us strong. You are causing us to bear fruit in every season. Lord, we know it is a miracle that we're able to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic. We know it's a miracle that 23 kids have come into care in the midst of a pandemic. God, we know it's a miracle that you are changing us from the inside out to become the person of Jesus. You're causing us as we look upon your face, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we become transformed into your image. God, like a tree, we stretch our branches towards heaven. And God, we ask you to just continue to shine on us. Cut off every time that ivy tries to climb up and, and cloud our thinking. We, we tell you right now, you have permission, Lord to cut that off. God, because we want our, our tree to bear fruit. God, we want, we want to display your glory and your splendor. We want everyone who looks upon our life to say, wow, look at the glory of God. Look at what God has done in them. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm so glad you joined us for worship today. High five a couple people on your way out, okay?